and we're live all right welcome to hebrews and talks episode four episode four yeah all right let me uh let me go first because my mug is familiar for those of you who watched episode <laughs> three i didn't bring a new mug but i brought a uh a good one nonetheless and uh mm. if you can't read it's kind of blurry a little bit it says uh how does jesus make his coffee he brews it mm. and uh <laughs> <laughs> some of the people were telling me they love this mug and they want it they thought it was like our merch oh uh, no uh, but it's not yeah so no, we're not there yet <laughs> yeah not yet but uh one day maybe lord willing yeah and uh this one i guess now that the secret's out um <laughs> uh, it's all good i'll share it says be careful or you'll end up in my sermon and just just to um let everyone know i it's not like um <laughs> yeah sermons aren't a time to attack people no, i just thought just uh just the idea of it was funny but i would never use a sermon to attack anyone so don't worry you don't have to be careful you won't be in my sermon but i just thought just saying was funny so i, I got this mug for today yeah you'll be in our prayers yes um, in our prayers <laughs> it's interesting like i think about like i usually tell people like if you feel convicted or if you feel targeted mm. most of the time if your pastor is uh loving he cares for you and he's praying for you then most of the time you feel targeted because the spirit is yeah. calling you out on something but there are unfortunately some people who uh, think about certain people and individuals as they're writing their sermons but right yeah that's not that's not our aim yeah it was just strictly because it was funny yeah, it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right all i right. love this lighting yeah it's so good <laughs> it does look good way better than before all right let me give our layout for today's episode uh, we're going to have a time of devotional, which P.E. is going to lead us through, of course, the book of Hebrews. Uh, he'll lead us through that in a second. And then mm -hmm. for our primary segment, we're going to do something called characterization, or as I like to call it, characterization. Uh, we're going to talk about underrated or underappreciated or um, misconceived uh, passages in Scripture that, I mm -hmm. th that we think are much cooler uh, than given credit for. And it's because how they're read and because of missed details and whatnot. Secondary segment, uh, we're going to talk about, because uh, last week we talked about um, a character in the Bible, a person from the Bible that we would love to, to meet. Uh, so we're going to talk about our favorite book, our favorite chapter of the Bible, and our favorite verse, if we have one and why. And then yeah. we'll close. So it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. All right. So uh, for today's devotional, I guess uh, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, verse 14 to 16. I just think it's a very uh, comforting uh, set of verses, but uh, let me read it for us before we get into it. Uh, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has, pre who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Yeah. Um, you know, Jesus is called the great high priest uh, because there is and was uh, and will be no other like him. Um, in the Old Testament, there were high priests, um, but a couple of things. They were sinful. Uh, they died and they had to... Um, keep on give, sacrificing animals uh, for their people and for their people's sins. Um, the reason why Jesus is a great high priest is because uh, he was perfect, right? He is perfect. 
he is forever and he made one sacrifice his own life um for our sin and so jesus having come down from heaven having lived the perfect life and we think you know jesus is the son of god you know how how much temptation could he actually were, were the temptations that he faced real um and bible makes it clear it was real because yes jesus is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And so those temptations, especially in the wilderness, when Satan came to tempt him three times, uh, those are real temptations. Um, but he was able to overcome them. And he did it, I believe, more so for us, so we can see that, yes, we can trust that Jesus knows what we're going through. He understands our temptations, our struggles, uh, just the inner conflict, right? Us trying to follow God's word, um, battling against our sinful nature. Um, of course, Jesus already knows what we what we go through, and he knows the temptations. He doesn't have to come down to earth and experience it firsthand. But I believe he did that, of course, so that he can die as our, uh, as, as our, um, as our sacrifice on the cross. Um, but two is so that we can trust that Jesus truly knows uh, what we went through. Uh, the only difference is he was able to overcome temptation, whereas uh, we can't <laughs> overcome temptation. Uh, but the Holy Spirit helps us, right? That's the great thing about Holy Spirit is as soon as we accept Christ, Holy Spirit comes into our life, and he's the one that uses God's word to help us fight temptation. Uh, but Jesus faced the same things that we faced, uh, but he was able to remain sinless. And that's what gives us the confidence to draw near to the throne of grace because we know uh, entering God's throne is not based on our works. It's not based on how worthy we are or how well we've kept God's word, but it's simply based on grace. And so I know there are times where we feel like I, I have to get right with God before I can go to church or before I can come before God, mm. uh, but we don't have to do that. God extends his grace to us so we can come just as we are and we know that God will um, forgive us. He'll show his grace. He'll show his mercy. Um, and in our time of need, he'll extend that grace and mercy onto us. So if there are those who are going through a hard time right now, just understand that Jesus knows exactly what you uh, are going through because he experienced everything while he was on this earth as we experienced. And I want to encourage you to come to Christ because he overcame and he extends that grace onto you. So you can also overcome with the help of the holy spirit amen i think that's so powerful like even our worship and our repentance is dependent on dependent on his goodness and mm -hmm. his love and his perfection mm -hmm. and his perfect and willing sacrifice i love that point that you made that like he didn't have to but he chose to mm -hmm. uh, understand what we went through and go through what we went through um and i think that's like a um, that's a good thing. Like a lot of times, like in our pride and in our flesh, like we, we want to uh, make our worship and our repentance about like us and our efforts and our mm. willpower and our faith. And these things are important too. Um, but the fact that I think when you understand, like it's less of you and it's more of how good he is, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's more freeing and, uh, it makes worship more enjoyable. And, um, that's awesome. That, like, it's a good thing that like, even your repentance, that everything in the faith is based off of his goodness, not ours. That's yeah. a very good thing. Yeah. Because the more you understand how sinful you are, uh, the more freeing that becomes. 
Um, and at the same point, like it, since it's not based on our work, there's really no room for pride, mm. right? Uh, it's solely based on his grace, which humbles us because we, we're fully just dependent upon on God and his grace uh, to get us through. Uh, so no room for pride, but there a bunch of room for, for humility. Yeah. Um, and Jesus, of course, is the ultimate uh, model of humility. The fact that he went through fully submitted to uh, God the Father to the point of death on the cross uh, just showed his humility in all of that. And so um, we can, again, just come before him uh, because he went through what we went through. Uh, the, the difference is he succeeded uh, and we fail. <laughs> but that's why we need his grace more and more each day. That's why we cling to him and his word each day. Because um, it's, it's, it's all based upon God. It's all about God. It's all about it's all about God. Yeah. Man, that makes me wanna wanna worship all the more. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Eugene. Mm. Uh, on to our primary segment segment. I think we could literally just talk about Jesus and the cross and, and his ministry and his life, the gospels and how underrated that is. Mm -hmm. uh, so many people think like the scholarly place to be is the epistles and, and that's of course the words of God and that's amazing too. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people forget about the gospel. How, how beautiful it is and how, uh, how good it is uh, for you to actually revisit the Gospels. And, um, but yeah, we're not going to. I think that's like the easy way out. <laughs> uh, the first passage that I want to actually turn to, if you're, if you're willing to, uh, if you're down to move on to our primary segment, is actually 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, and this is a very, very well-known passage. 1 mm -hmm. Samuel chapter 17 will be in the first just handful of verses. We're not going to read the entire thing, but it's a story of David versus Goliath. Mm -hmm. I think this is a, of course, we have to talk about the story. It's, uh, it's very, very significant in the history of Israel, to the, to the Israelites, the Jews, but also to, to us uh, to understand David's story. But I think this story, David versus Goliath, goes uh, far deeper and far beyond uh, what people usually take away from it, which is like, oh, like voting for the underdog and you know, mm. conquering your giants, mm. uh, which by the way, that, that's not what the story's about, right? Mm. Like you're not David, I'm not David, we're not David in the story. And mm. I think that's what people usually get from this passage. Uh, first Samuel chapter 17. So again, we're doing this uh, in hopes to actually show people, uh, simply put, like the Bible is actually really fun. Yeah. Um, it's usually misread or misunderstood, which is why people have these different views of the words of God. But uh, hopefully you'll see differently mm. uh, through this. Um, I'll just start reading from the beginning. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, in a camp between Soko and Azekah and Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered in a camp in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain of the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his leg, on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. 
The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went out before him. So real quickly, first of all, the, the picture that is painting for the champion Goliath, he's supposed to be like a unit. He's supposed to be a tank, right? Like this guy, and he's going to gloat in a second. We're not going to read that part probably, but he gloats in a second. And like everything he says about himself is like everything the Bible says about Goliath. Like this guy is a champion. Mm -hmm. He was born and trained since birth, basically for war, for battle. Mm -hmm. He's got victories and, and kills, like just numerous, like yeah. on his belt. And on top of that, his physical attributes actually match it, right? Like his, 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 like from head to toe, he's covered in bronze, he's super heavy. And I think he's like nine feet tall, right? Mm. A little over nine feet tall yeah. is, is the measurement in today's standard, uh, which is huge, right? Like, it's like nobody is supposed to be able to take this guy on. He's a giant. He's a literal giant. But what's interesting is this detail that you only see in the Hebrew. Right? Goliath is not just any other giant or any other enemy, any other obstacle. Uh, but the word male in verse five, not M-A-L-E, but M-A-I-L, that word male in the Hebrew, um, I don't actually have it, but the Hebrew word that's used here for male can actually also be, it's interchangeable for scales, like the mm. scale of a reptile. Mm. Uh, this is actually supposed to make you think of the serpent in mm. the garden. Mm. It's supposed to actually symbolize Goliath of Gath, this very literal historical person was, sim was symbolizing not simply just the people of Israel, but the enemy, the adversary, mm. the enemy of God and his people. Uh, and so this is where it actually, the story comes to life. You mm. see a, a personification of the, the spirit, uh, not the spirit, sorry, the, uh, the serpent. Mm. Um, and then he actually starts shouting out to Israel. Uh, he's mocking them. And then in verse 11, it says, actually verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. We literally cannot. Like, we cannot stand up to the enemy on our own. Mm -hmm. And so we cannot, be we cannot be David. This is where we come in, verse 11. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Mm -hmm. They were powerless. They were hopeless. Nobody could stand up against this giant, the serpent, the enemy. Mm. That's where we are. We are. That's who yeah. we are in the story. We're not yeah. David. We're Saul and the Israelites right. who cower in the presence of the enemy. And then over the hilltop, the very next verse, you see a figure emerge uh, when everyone else is too afraid. Mm. Verse 12. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. Mm. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to see, feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Mm. This figure appears. And can you imagine the Israelites? Okay, this is, this is the scenario right here. The Israelites, they're in their most desperate time of need. 
right? Like they've been victorious up to this point, but because Saul failed as a leader, they're they're faced with this impossible adversary, this impossible enemy. And mm. everyone is cowering in fear. Saul can't even stand up to him. They need a hero. And can you imagine a figure coming over the hilltop and and how first Samuel is, is painting it? You're supposed to imagine somebody who's going to be able to match up against this, this giant Goliath of Gath. Mm. But you see a humble figure, a, the youngest, um, the least of the entire family, the shepherd boy, come over right, to, to, to stand up against the enemy. And everybody is supposed to think that he's going to lose. And everyone thought he was going to lose, but they had no other option, so they send him forward. Mm. And, and obviously he was victorious. Um, but David is not us. David is the image of the Son of God, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think this is such a beautiful way to introduce the, the character and the story of David uh, by painting him in, uh, in light of the coming Messiah. Mm. Um, when the world is faced with an impossible obstacle, which is sin, our sin, and the enemy who roams around looking for people to devour, um, none of us can stand up to it. Mm. None of us could. And the one who could came in the humble form of a servant. And in his loss, we found our victory. Mm. and he conquered the grave and he conquered sin and he promises resurrection for those who believe in him and that was jesus christ mm. and uh, that story is is uh is beautiful it's so much deeper than and, I, and i'm sure app, application wise like sure the sunday school version of the story works too yeah. uh, where we have many victories through through jesus um but i think unless you realize that jesus that david is pointing to jesus not us yeah. you don't see the beauty in this story yeah um so yeah, when I figured that out, I was like, wow, the Bible is actually really fun. Yeah. Uh, especially the Old Testament. Not over the new, but but yeah. Yeah. I think at times the Old Testament gets like a bad rap. They just yeah. think it's boring. <laughs> like, like let's just get to the New Testament. But Old Testament is uh is key. We have to understand the old in order to appreciate the new. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh yeah, that's good. I think it gives it sheds light, a uh, totally different light onto this story. Because um, we've all grown up with the the Sunday school version of the story, right. um, and they say like, you know, what is the Goliath in your life? Mm. You gotta be courageous and slay Goliath with the help of the right. you know, help of God. But uh, it goes deeper than that. Which which right. reminds me, like another aspect of the story, it, we don't share. The, I was thinking of this because I reminded I was reminded of this because he said the Sunday school version. The Sunday school version doesn't really talk about David cutting off the head of Goliath mm. in Genesis. Three, the fall, the promise that God gives, where is the son, the seed of the woman supposed to step on the serpent? The head. Man, yeah. And so the, even the fact that David, after he defeats Goliath, he chops off the head of Goliath, mm -hmm. the head of the one covered in scales, the head of the enemy that's mm -hmm. symbolizing the serpent, that's also pointing to Jesus, yeah. who, yes, uh, is bitten the heel and, and tastes that death and is buried. But in doing so, he steps on the, he on the head right. of the serpent. So this story is just like filled with allusions back to Genesis, um, mm -hmm. um, foreshadowing of Jesus. It's just beautiful. Yeah, there, there are many uh, layers to this story. Yeah, it's so good. And it's not just a simple like David and Goliath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, all throughout the Bible, we can find Jesus everywhere. Um, and this is just another great example of that. So, yeah, that was good. Uh, I wanted to share uh, about Cain and Abel. I guess you can say as soon as sin entered the world, um, it, ex it escalated so fast that uh, Cain, you know, ends up killing Abel. The, yeah. We see the first murder. But, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, not something to be proud of, but <laughs> if we look at... Uh, if we look at Genesis chapter four, that's where the story starts. Um, and just to see like what caused all this, right? What caused Cain to, to kill his brother Abel? Um, I'm just going to read like the first a few, few verses in Genesis chapter four. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And if we can just stop right there. Um, and if we read this part, it sounds like... Um, at the surface level, God accepted Abel's um, Abel's uh, offering, right, over Cain simply because it's meat over vegetables, <laughs> right? Um, maybe one looks better than the other, and for us, we might think one is better than the other, um, and so it, it it seems that way. But if we actually look at um, Hebrews, I know we just we're just there for devotions, but uh, Hebrews eleven. It actually mentions Abel in uh, 11 verse 4. It says, uh, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God was uh, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Uh, so it was actually not about what sacrifice was given. It wasn't about the meat versus vegetables. But we see Abel's uh, sacrifice was by faith, right? He gave his best because of his faith uh, in God. Whereas Cain, uh, if you look back at what he gave, it just says that he brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. But if you look at Abel's sacrifice, even then we see a difference. He brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. He brought the very best. We don't see that Cain brought the very best of his vegetables. I think if he'd had, God would have accepted it because he gave his best. Uh, but at the heart of this, it's really about um, their heart. It's not about what they gave, but it was uh, their heart. And Abel had a heart of faith. He gave his best to, uh, to God, whereas Cain just kind of gave who knows out of what motivation. Maybe because he knew he just had to give something, so he gave. Uh, so we can see here the importance of God looking at our hearts too. Um, to just kind of put it in today's terms, is really not about how much we give offering. Mm. Like God really, it's not like he needs our money. Um, he can do many things with a few bucks. He doesn't need yeah. you know, our money, but it's about the heart, uh, our attitude towards giving. Is it just out of just sense of duty? 
Or are we doing it out of faith, knowing that God can use what we give uh, to do his kingdom work? And one example of that is um, when Jesus sees, uh, you know, this rich guy give a part of his uh, wages, you know, uh, in the church. And he like does it so that everyone sees that he's giving all this money. Um, and then there was a woman, right, who had only a few pennies but gave all those pennies as an offering. Um, even though the guy technically gave more in terms of the amount, Jesus said that she had given more because she gave all that he all that she had. He gave a part of what he had. Uh, so he, again, it's about uh, the heart, the faith. Um, I think that's a good reminder for us too. Um, we might get prideful thinking, you know, look at how much I give to the church. Uh, but we have to be careful. It's not about the amount. It's about uh, the why behind it. Why are we giving? Are we doing it because we're putting our faith in God? Or are we doing it for other reasons? And so um, Cain and Abel, I think it's just a, uh, just a good reminder that we need to check our hearts. Um, not just in terms of giving, but for everything. Because God ultimately looks at uh, our heart rather than um, the appearance. Whereas people all we can judge is by the appearance because we don't we can't see into the heart um but so just a good lesson check your heart um give out of faith um do everything give god your best for his glory and for um just um your faith in him right rather than what other whatever other motive you might have yeah amen that's good I, uh, I might be reaching, but uh, I'm, I'm curious. Do you think, obviously it's about the faith, but do you think that the fact that, not that like, again, meat over vegetables, but mm -hmm. like even the fact that like in Abel's offering that was accepted because of faith, do you think like the fact that blood had to have been spilled mm -hmm. could be alluding to Jesus? Or That could. Yeah, I mean, so? yeah, I mean, it could uh, very well possibly because there was the shedding of blood, right, in order for him to even give um, uh, the the sheep, um, the, the firstborn of his flock. Mm. Yeah, so that very well could be pointing to Christ. Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking about it. Mm. The Old Testament is deep. It's good. Mm. Um, I was thinking about, um, like, one one of the other reasons, aside from, like, people uh, kind of underappreciating the words of God, even Christians, right? I think even especially Christians, because we've, we've read it and, uh, and we still don't see the beauty in it, um, like in these two stories. Uh, but I think another reason why people don't um, understand like the depth and uh, how profound and, and, and necessary the words of God are, and even like a, as a defense for their faith, which mm. is huge, is the canon of scripture. Mm. Can you explain real quickly what the canon of scripture is? Yeah, uh, canon uh, means a rule or measuring uh, measuring rod, measuring stick. Uh, it was basically how the church decided what books were going to be included in the Bible. And they had a standard, uh, a couple things that they used. Um, like we know uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters, not just the ones that are in the Bible, uh, but using the measuring stick. Uh, they were able to find which ones were inspired by the Holy Spirit that was written by Paul and which, and which were just his own writings. Right? So that's just one example. There are a lot of other books 
you know, we've heard of like gospel of Judas and like gospel of uh, Thomas and Mary and yeah. these things. And the, there are reasons why they're not included. Um, so uh, I guess just to break it down a little bit, the, um, the things that they, the criteria that they used to decide what books will be included was first seeing if it was Holy Spirit inspired. Um, they can tell that this was not simply written by man, but it was God using that author to uh, write, you know, the letter or the book um, that they're that they're looking at. Another thing that they used was was it being widely circulated by the other churches? Were they being were these books being because uh, they only had like a few copies at that time, right? Were they being rotated in circulation as so that the churches can take turns uh, reading from it, preaching from it? And so um, that was another one. And then were they able to verify the author? And this is very important oh, yeah. because, um, you know, like other books written by like Socrates or other like uh, philosophers, it could be like hundreds of years after they died. Uh, they just say, oh, yeah, this was written by Socrates. There's like really no evidence except the fact that it sounds kind of uh, like similar to his other writings. Mm -hmm. But the amazing thing about uh, the books of the Bible is they were able to verify the author um, with, because there were witnesses that were still alive even after the author was dead. So everything was within 100 years after uh, the book was written. So this is the strictest strand, standard. Uh, no other books in the world are this tight, this strict, where, yeah. when it comes to verifying the author except the Bible. And that, um, so that was another criteria that they used. So, so books like... Uh, Gospel of Mary and like um, Thomas and Judas. The reason why they're not in there, one of the reasons is they're unable to verify that these people actually wrote uh, the books that they apparently, you know, looks like they wrote. It could have been someone else uh, just using their name because uh, they know that they're one of the major, you know, um, people that were with Jesus yeah. uh, for their, I guess, little, you know, few seconds of fame. Mm -hmm. um, Which, by the way, like, that's not like, that's not just an excuse that Christians make up. Like, look up, look into like pseudo authorship. Like, mm -hmm. that's a very real thing. Yeah. Not even just for the words of God. Not even just for Scripture. That happens all the time. Right. Um, right. And so that's that's a very legit thing. Yeah. And another reason why those books didn't make it is like it just contradicts just the gospel message. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just you can tell it's just like totally not what it doesn't agree with the rest of what the Bible says. Right. I think the Gospel of yeah. Judas. I think it has the story where like Jesus goes into hell to like receive Judas back up mm -hmm. um, and they have this like whole conversation and yeah it's crazy yeah but yeah I mean I threw it over to Pastor Eugene because he explained it perfectly and I there's no way I could have gone close to that <laughs> um, but like even like uh, I just I have one thing to add uh, this is the only thing I have to add but like the uh, the credibility to authorship um, it was it's also like this is even done by a you can also look into uh, literary criticism. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just by like eyewitnesses and that's huge, right? That's, mm -hmm. that, that makes everything like uh, um, credible. But it's also like they, they're able to actually compare. Um, they're actually like even like non-Christian uh, non um, secular scholars are able to actually um, affirm whether or not these books are written by who we're claiming they're written by. Right. Um, it's based off the content. It's based off of the writing style. It's it's uh, it's all of these different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, 
that that's basically what canon is yeah and it's just amazing because uh just um this bible 66 books you know written by like 40 some authors over a span of 1500 1600 years all tell the same story of jesus mm. um and that's remarkable the fact that these people weren't even uh you know alive when the old testament was written right it's not like they can like um confer with the writer of genesis and be like okay i'm gonna continue on this story right and then here in acts it's like totally separate eras totally separate generations different people different people different culture right. uh, even right um all telling the same story is just a testament that this really is uh, the word of god he was just using these different authors uh their strengths uh, and i guess their writing style to tell his story uh from genesis to revelation and you know that's that's what makes the bible so beautiful yeah i think uh, uh are you aware of jordan peterson he yeah 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 jordan Pe peterson for those of you who don't know um super astute yeah very scholar, smart guy <laughs> super smart like you listen yeah. to this guy talking like he like literally destroys every like fake and like uh ingenuine yeah. like for everything like pol politics or whatever yeah. it may be whether you agree with him or not you have to admit that this is a very sharp dude mm -hmm. and uh I don't know too much in depth of his story, but I know that his wife was a believer before him. Mm. And he always thought it was like like fables and like mythology and whatever it may be. Right. But like what changed was when he, this sharp dude, one of the smartest dudes on the planet <laughs> for sure, like he, he read the Bible cover to cover. And obviously being as smart as he is, he's going to catch things yeah. that we can't catch. Right. And he, one of the things that he actually claims that actually brought him closer to the faith and, and actually at the very least start his journey of seeking this god mm -hmm. who he actually claims could very much be real uh is the uh the consistency of scripture like yeah. how like there are no errors like it's like every book every verse is just like interconnected and like everything points to jesus and mm -hmm. how jesus was very much a historical figure like mm -hmm. he wasn't a made-up character and how like books thousands of years before him wrote about him and he fulfilled like 300 prophecies right and uh it's interesting like i i encourage you guys for those of you listening to look up jordan peterson's journey and when he was an atheist as he was reading the bible for the first time mm. he has these interviews this is actually around the time where like he started to blow up on social media started going viral and that's the lord's sovereignty right there because like as he was going viral that's when he was going through the words of god yeah. and you can actually see this atheist like getting emotional mm. and, and start like sobbing as he's talking about Jesus mm. because he says like, it's just crazy to think about, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I'm sorry that I get emotional. It's just crazy to think about that this Jesus guy, that he could very much be what and who he claimed to be. And he mm. was getting emotional. He's an unbeliever and he's, yeah. and he's doing this. And it all comes from canon, like this very reliable source of truth, uh, this organization of truth. Yeah. Um, I think people don't understand that and i think they think the bible was born because of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think uh not even just like throughout like uh, as a collective but like i was talking past Eugene before about even the psalms and the psalms are a good example of how people usually tend to how people tend to look at the bible mm -hmm. they, th they think of it as like this like just like a, a mesh of like historical books or whatever it may be just thrown together that that christian just like just kind of dumb through and 
Um, but actually, the Psalms are not just a random collection of a bunch of Psalms that you're supposed to read through. Mm-hmm. But there is also there's also intentional design within the Psalms, yeah. even though they're written by different people as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's a the Psalms itself is a testament to to God's sovereignty over the words of God. Um, it's interesting because like Psalm one, and I'll talk about this later too. But <laughs> uh, Psalm one it begins with um in the, um not in the beginning. <laughs> Psalm 1 begins with blessed. Um, all right, this is, gonna, this is gonna seem bad to me because I'm not I'm drawing a blank here. Um, blessed is the one who blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel mm-hmm. of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, right. and on his law he meditates day and night. Yeah. That's how the psalm starts. And then the very last psalm, Psalm 150. This is how it ends. And this, is, this alone shows you kind of like the design and the intentionality behind the ordering of the Psalms. Um, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing. Let everything that is breath Praise the Lord. Oh, wait. Oh, this is not it. I'm trolling. <laughs> I think it's, I think I'm thinking about Psalm 119. 119. Um, a lot of verses in 119. I'm not going to read through this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. <laughs> I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what I'm thinking about. <laughs> it's the beginning of Psalm 119. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and uh, the end of Psalm 119. Um, Psalm 119, by the way, and this is what I, this is what I was thinking about. Uh-huh. Psalm 119 is the biggest chapter in the entire Bible. Yeah. 176 verses. I think that's the largest chapter in the, in the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and Psalm 119, when you read it through, majority, a vast majority of the verses are about the words of God. Yeah. Psalm 119 stands alone in the sense that like, it's supposed to kind of capture... It's kind of weird because like it's a chapter in the Bible that's about the Bible. So yeah. Psalm 119, Psalms is basically a collection of books of, of Psalms, which is like songs of praise and suffering or in celebration. But Psalm 119 stands alone in the sense that it's about the words of God, um, which is crucial to our worship. Mm-hmm. But uh, Psalm 1 starts with, um, like I said, blessed is the man who walks not in the way, blah, 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 but the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then Psalm 119 starts with, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. If I'm remembering correctly, Psalm 119 ends. Um, with praise. Right? Mm-hmm. 169 to 176, which is kind of the last um, part section of Psalm 119. Mm-hmm. So Psalm 119 in its vast majority is about the words of God. And Psalm 119 uh, reflects and, and almost mi- mirrors Psalm 1 
And then uh, the last psalm is about praise. And then what I read before, which is Psalm 150, 150, is about praise. Right. And it's like you see Psalm 119 kind of like being this like kind of miniature, but not so many um, kind of like mirror of the entire yeah. psalm, but also just the canon, the uh, intentionality and the design of the words of God. Right. Um, and yeah. So canon is not just about the 66 books. Mm-hmm. It's about even how each individual book is written. Right. That's my point there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, took a while for me to get there, but I got there. Yeah, no, no, that was good. You laid it out really well. Um, I guess kind of like uh, what has you know PSK alluded to, uh, his favorite I know uh chapter in the Bible is Psalm one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, did you want to kind of start there? We can we can kind of look go a little bit out of order, but you want to do right. Psalm one? Yeah, transition into the uh, secondary segment. Yeah. I guess my, uh, not my favorite book, my favorite passage, right. which is what he meant by out of order, mm-hmm. is like Pastor Eugene said, Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it kind of goes along with when I started to figure out what we're talking about in this episode, like why it is that people don't appreciate the words of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saved at a very young age, um, and when I started to read the words of God and meditate on it is when my faith just radically changed. When I got into college, I bought this Bible. So this Bible is uh, like nine years old, give or take. Um, okay. And, and like, it's one of my favorite things ever. Uh, I hold this thing very dearly, this copy of the Bible, because of that fact. Um, because it signifies a, uh, a moment in my life where I decided to dive into the words of God. Um, and that's what Psalm 1 is about. I remember when I first started to read the book, and the first time I ever read the Bible cover to cover, I got to Psalm 1. And uh, even from the jump, um, it just, it, uh, it spoke to me. Um, mm-hmm. If anybody ever were to wonder and ask, um, you know, what are your aspirations? Like, what is your greatest dream or aspiration in life? In your life? Uh, I would say Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the man I want to become. This is what I want my faith to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's interesting that, like, every time I read Psalm 1, it deepens. Right, like that's what it started with, like my desire to delight in the words of God in this way, and then evolved into, like, how do I get to Jesus from that? I know Psalm one is great because it makes you reflect on, like, oh, do I really delight in the words of God? Like some of us delight in food, like some of us delight in hobbies or other people, but then, like, how do I get to Jesus from that? It's that we don't delight in the words of God like this. Yeah. Uh, kind of like how we're not David in the story. We're not the man who is blessed in this psalm. Because the one it says, uh, the one who doesn't who it who doesn't delight in the, in the words like this, they're like a leaf that withers mm-hmm. and uh, that blow away. We're the wicked ones if we don't delight in the words of God. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself, why why don't I blow away like chaff in the wind? Mm. And it and it points to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the one who is blessed, uh, who doesn't walk in the way of sinners, but walks amongst them. Yeah. And and redeems them. Right, mm-hmm. who walks amongst them but doesn't succumb to the temptation and the sin uh, that we do. Right. And uh, in talking about canon, like when I realized why Psalm one is placed after Job forty one, that kind of also blew my mind too. Like the fact that, um, sorry if you guys hear that, <laughs> just ignore it. Uh, Psalm forty two, not forty one. Psalm forty two, and this is usually what people bring up when they when they talk about like the prosperity gospel, like we talked about, I think it was a week ago, two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, 
but like they actually support the prosperity gospel and prosperity preaching with Psalm for uh, Job forty two. Like sure, Job went through suffering and all that, yeah. but like at the end he gets everything back. Not only that, he gets more. way more. <laughs> yeah. Right, like God blesses him in the end because he continued to have faith. Yeah. Like if you're if you're faithful, if you're going through suffering, God will bless. Right, that's what they say. Um, and I think the reason why someone follows exactly after that. One of the reasons is to counter this argument, this mm-hmm. thought. Because back in the day, we know that actually the Jews believed this, that the more faithful you were, the more God blessed you. Mm-hmm. But someone follows Job 42 to show like that's not the case. Yeah. You're not blessed if God gives you more. You're blessed if you fear the Lord and if you delight in his words and you have a relationship with the one mm. who is blessed, which yeah. is Jesus. And I, saw, I found that out and I was like, okay, Psalm 1 is the meditation of my heart uh, for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, yeah i love it i think it's beautiful yeah that's that is good i think yeah. uh, psalm one is very a very deep chapter i think yeah. you can get a lot out of it like you, you know you went through it but yeah we want to re- realize that we are the wicked but christ is that blessed one and because of christ uh, we don't blow away right yeah um otherwise we are like the chaff we are just gonna we have no weight right yeah. we have no weight that's mm-hmm. good um, I guess uh, since you know, PSK shared uh, favorite chapter, I'll I'll go ahead and do favorite chapter. Okay, cool. uh, for me, it's also in Psalm, but Psalm twenty three is a very well known uh, chapter, and I think it's my favorite because um, every time it's like I'm going through you know something in my life, I always kind of turn to this um, and just. I'm reminded, I guess it's only six verses. I can read it for us real quick. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leaves me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. Um, Just always reminded of how good uh, the Lord is. He's our good shepherd, and he takes care of us. Um, You know, he makes us lie down in green pasture. Um, It's kind of interesting. It says he makes me lie down, like almost like he's forcing me to slow down and sit down. during sometimes, right? Like you would think I would want to <laughs> sit down in green pastures, right? But it says he makes me lie down and he leads me beside still waters. Um, so I find that at times the case, there are so many times in my life where God seems to be like, hey, slow down, um, slow down <laughs> and just lie down, lie here for a little bit, you know, and, and enjoy the green pastures a little bit. But also, um, there are times in my life where it feels like I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death, where it's just like terrifying, just so many things, uh, just from all aspects, uh, just kind of hitting me at once. And, um, you know, David says, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, right? Um, And I shared this before, um, but... Uh, when Peter walks out into the water from the boat, um, why would, like, logically speaking, right, being in the boat should be the safest place, right, in a storm. 
But for Peter, wherever Jesus was, was the safest place. I really think that's why he wanted to step out into the water. And so kind of taking that here. So we're, yeah, we're walking through the valley of shadow of death. But we don't have to fear because Jesus is there with us. Wherever he is, is the safest place. Right? And it says, uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, I don't know, rod and staff. You know, one is used to beat you, one is used to hook you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it just talks about discipline, you know? Uh, God does discipline his people, and we that is needed, right, for our own sake, for our own good. Uh, just like the shepherd uses it to protect his sheep. Uh, we may not like it, being jerked around, being beaten, but God knows at times that's what we need. Uh, but it brings comfort, knowing that he's doing it for our best interest, right? Because of God of his love for us. And so, yeah, just this uh, Psalm, just whenever I read it, especially in times of hardship, uh, really just kind of encourages me. So it's something that I just go back to over and over again. And the fact that uh, David knew that he was going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that was not because of anything, you know, that he was deserving or worthy of it. But again, because of the good shepherd making him lie down, uh, leading him beside still water, right? Comforting him with the rod and the staff, mm. uh, just kind of keeping us on that track uh, to get there. So That's so good. <laughs> I literally just said uh, that this is, ever since I got to college, I had this Bible and I made a point. I was like, I'm going to write notes in this Bible. I'm going to mark it up. I'm going to underline, highlight, whatever. But I'm only going to write things that I know for sure are going to last. And I'm only going to write like things that are going to help me when I come back to this passage, like find the correct interpretation. And so like, I remember I was, I was in a preaching class once. And uh, like, uh, I mean, I gave terrible sermons in my preaching <laughs> class. But so I'm not, I say that to like, make sure, make it clear that I'm not like calling people out. But like, there were some people who were really good at preaching. And there were some people, you know, who, who like me need to practice. And uh, there were very few times where a student would preach. And there are times when pastors give a sermon and I'm like, oh, that's so good. And I was literally looking for a pen just now. I was like, is there a pen? He's like, if I write in the Bible, it means like you just, you just delivered a bomb. <laughs> and so like, I, there's like, there's a couple points. Like, I, I never noticed that he makes me like the, uh, the imperative verb there. Like uh, it's a forceful, like, no, he actually forces you to actually get rest. And uh, that, that's amazing. And then, uh, for some reason, I never noticed the comfort. Like, I always talk about the rod and the staff, and as pastors, we do because we want to make it known that, like, oh, that's discipline. Mm -hmm. But, like, the fact that it comforts, I never, I never made that connection. And, mm. um, and then the last killer line you said about dwelling in the house of the Lord, not because of anything David did, but because of the leading of the Lord. And so, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna mark this, <laughs> this chapter up. And uh, I had a friend in the preaching class who, was, who found that out. And he told me it was his like goal to like get in that Bible. Be written. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to look to you to see if you write in the Bible. And it became like a thing in the class. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, wow. It's pretty cool that our, our favorite passage for both of us is in the Psalms. Psalms Maybe yeah. that's telling in some way. Yeah. I think Psalms can be very personal. Um, yeah. And um, it like speaks to you. It's like poetic. It's like, um, you know, like it draws a picture. There's a lot of imagery. Uh, I think it's kind of, is a, I guess you can say a little bit easier to understand too, because it's kind of relatable. Um, 
and these are psalms most of them written by david in his times of hardship and so i think we can um, kind of identify with david too not that we uh, i don't think we'll ever go through what david did you know just running for his life every day uh but yeah, yeah a lot of things happening to him you know but uh but we can still relate uh, to, in some sense, because we all have hardship in our life, and I think these psalms just, you know, just encourage us and lift us up, and just a good reminder that, hey, we just keep on, you know, keep on going because God is there; He's with us. Yeah, yeah. we talked a lot about David. Today. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, well, my favorite book, mm. and this is usually the one where people are like, "Oh, what? Like, this is your favorite book?" And a passage, <laughs> passage G knows this. My favorite book of the Bible is Deuteronomy. Okay. Yeah, the fifth yeah. book of the Bible, the last book where mm-hmm. Moses dies. Mm-hmm. Um, Deuteronomy, in the literal translation, it means the second giving of the law. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a copy of the law. And so like, it's not the second law, even though Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy means two, second. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Anomy means law, right? Study of or whatever. Um, but it's actually the second giving of the law. That's why in, in Deuteronomy, like Moses is actually before he, he knows he's going to pass away in a sec. And so Deuteronomy yeah. is written in the span of a year. And it's like a year long, like Bible study. He's like kind of relaying to them the law that they've received. Right. Hundreds of laws. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, they read Deuteronomy and they actually get really bored. They're like, oh, I read this before in the right. first four books. Um, and so a lot of people get confused why I say Deuteronomy is my favorite book. But it's kind of personal. Um, I think, well, uh, I noticed this first when uh when you read Jesus's words, right? When somebody says, uh, the, uh, the lawyer uh, comes before Jesus and he asks Jesus, uh, teacher, rabbi, what is the first and greatest command? And Jesus' response is uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first and greatest command. And then right. he says, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. On these two demand all the... Uh, depend all the law and the prophets right and that's huge that's a big statement for jesus to make right to love god with everything to love people with everything that all the law and all the prophets it depends on these two 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 commands right but that huge statement that so many people have preached from is from deuteronomy right and when you look at the passage that jesus actually quotes from deuteronomy 6 you actually see the law called the shema Uh, which is here O israel the lord your god the lord is one and then it says you shall love the lord your god it doesn't it says a little bit different it misses a word because of the difference between uh the heap the greeks i'm the the uh yeah the greeks and the uh the jews but it says with all your heart soul and strength right um so leaves out mind but that's because the greeks were very philosophical Mm. um so they had a different understanding of the word heart but anyways you see that jesus what he says, based off of Jesus' statistics, not us, not any scholar, but Jesus, he says the first and greatest command that all the law and prophets depend on, it wasn't just Jesus kind of pulling something out of thin air. Mm-hmm. He got it from Deuteronomy. Yeah. And so you have to know just simply off of that, that Deuteronomy 6 is key. It is yeah. fundamental. Um, and when you read Deuteronomy 6 and you actually reflect on what he says, it's supposed to shape family. It's supposed to shape the people of God, like we are a people about love, not about the 300 laws that whatever it is that he's about to talk about. And so Deuteronomy okay. is not really simply a reciting of the law. Mm. Um, Moses lays it straight up from the beginning. 
like this is what the law is about right loving god with everything and 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 and, and loving people yeah. uh in the way that you know you've been loved uh in the way that you love yourself yeah um and there's so much more but like basically like i remember deuteronomy was the book that actually made me appreciate the old testament mm. uh when i discovered this these truths and the and how actually significant Deuteronomy is to like the entire scripture. Um, and I could literally go on for like an hour about this, but like um, it made me realize for the first time, wow, the Old Testament is actually really interesting. Um, and that yeah. actually encouraged me to go back um, throughout the Old Testament and, and see it in a different light. Mm. And so uh, I love Deuteronomy. It made me appreciate uh, the Bible in its entirety. Mm. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the law tells us how to love God and how to love others. It's like the guide. Yep. But it's very telling that we can't keep it, which means we, we just can't love God and we we just can't love others, you know? Yep. Uh it just means we just need Jesus that much more. Um I guess um uh the reason I, I like this book or the book I'm about to share. It's not as deep as PSKs, but <laughs> um, I really like James. I, I think some some of our uh, listeners and, and viewers uh, already know this, but I really like James because number one is short. <laughs> no, but <laughs> but uh, because um, it's easy to understand, but so hard to apply. Mm. And I think um, it challenges me because. Uh, now I see, man. I'm I'm still so far away <laughs> from from being able to um, look more like Christ, and even just uh, James talking about uh, our words, right? Uh, we can't praise God with our lips and also curse our brothers, right? Um, you know, I used to make, and I still do, but I used to make so many mistakes with my words. Um, a lot of it because I would I would talk before I thought about what I was gonna say, and so I've hurt uh, a lot of people uh, in the past. And uh, th- the more I read James, the more I meditated upon, especially that that uh, chapter, taming the tongue. The taming the tongue. Uh, yeah, it has helped me to become better at it. Even though I, I still do make mistakes with my words, um, but it's helped me over time uh, to get a little bit better and better. Uh, and I and it's it's cool, I guess, in some sense, because you see what's written in James, and um, you know, when I was doing this as a Bible study, I was uh, we would we were going through each chapter uh, just one week, so it was just um, we did five chapters in four weeks, so four and five we kind of did together. Uh, but I was challenging our our um, Bible study, uh, I guess, uh, members to. Pick one verse out of each chapter and try to apply that to your life that week. And then we'll kind of share um, how it went. Um, and you know what? All of us failed every week. <laughs> but wow. the important thing is we tried. <laughs> that's telling, yeah. Yeah, that's we tried. That's and they're like, hey, you know, we tried and we realized, you know what? This is like hard. But, you know, they just kept on trying. Mm. And, you know, the cool thing was it made us realize how much we need Jesus. Because mm. it, it's, again, telling that we can't, earn our salvation we can't work uh towards like uh following god's law um it just showed how impossible it was i mean there were of course like some successful moments but then they were saying most of the time including me 
uh, there were more failures than than successes. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of a good um, indicator of like kind of where we stand and seeing just how little we can follow God's word. And at the same time, I guess, um, yeah, it points us to Christ, but also uh, just humbling, knowing that there's no way. Uh, but um, yeah, James is is great book just to uh, understand. It's pretty easy to understand, uh, but it's very hard to apply to your life. But um, I just try to take it verse at a time and see if I can try to try my best to see <laughs> to try to do it that day. Um, but you know, it always ends in failure. <laughs> but it's okay because that leads me to Christ mm-hmm. and just helps me to realize I need to cling to Him even more. Because uh, I mean, I I'm so weak. Well, the application is so fitting for the book of James, mm-hmm. like attempting and failing, attempting and failing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when James says in James, um, "Show me uh, your faith without works. Mm-hmm. I'll show you my faith with my works." Yeah, paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I once heard it said that James, um, I think it was a professor who said this, but he said most of the other books. In the New Testament, whether it's the Gospels or the Epistles or prophecy, are about the person and the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. James stands alone because James focuses on the teachings of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, if, if you don't understand why Pastor Eugene uh, brings up the taming of the tongue, then one, you never read James because <laughs> you don't know how, how dangerous the tongue is. Yeah. Um, but also you need to also mature a little bit uh, because that's, according to James, one of the most dangerous things, period, uh, for yeah. Christians. But um, our words are so powerful that he says, yeah. if you can tame your tongue, you're a perfect man. Yeah. I mean, that's very telling. That's, if you can control your tongue, he says, you're a perfect man, mm-hmm. right? Um, and imagine how many churches would, would have stayed together. <laughs> how many Christians would... Uh, would be without would be with less shame if, mm. if we just did this one thing mm. um and it's for our benefit but yeah that's that's why i was like mm, when i heard a thing yeah all right what about um favorite, favorite verse? verse this is hard i think this is the hardest one mm. um, so many yeah and like i think so many actually no, i'll tame the tongue there um <laughs> um I could say, oh man, I don't know. Like, I haven't thought about the words of God in the sense of favorite verse in so long mm-hmm. um, that like it's hard for me to pinpoint like where this these verses, the specific verses it comes from. But uh, the old and new it talks about um, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, or the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Right? Said, yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, it gives a basically basically a layout, um, and then it ends with how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Mm-hmm. I think when ministry gets hard, that passage is very uh, comforting, um, because God says, right? We don't know who the author of Hebrews is, and I actually think that's that's intentional. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter if people think it's Paul or Lou, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I think the author himself, maybe herself, I don't know, like uh, didn't want us to know, um, because. Um, and it's all about Jesus, obviously. Mm. Um, but it's fitting also that I'm I'm, I'm saying Hebrews, but uh, it's just encouraging to me. I think uh, when 
a lot of times pastors feel uh, underappreciated, uh, even if we are appreciated, uh, even if we are prayed over by our congregation who loves us, um, even though we have families thinking about us. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the ways that the enemy gets to us is this feeling of loneliness. Mm. And a lot of times, like when I feel that way or, or when I'm tempted to feel this way, uh, that verse, it, uh, it comforts me. Yeah. Showing that like, there's a reason God called me mm. to this. And it wasn't to like torture me or it wasn't to, mm. it wasn't in vain. Um, so maybe that verse, mm. uh, there's a couple others I could say, but, but yeah. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of them. Uh, for me, um, another well-known um, verse is uh, Proverbs 3. Five and six, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Because um, uh, I think I learned so much about trusting, especially His timing. Um, I'm pretty impatient. I wish like things would happen like now, right? Results now, right? These things happening now, these changes now. Um, and so many times, as He, you know, makes me lie down. Uh, it's like in green pasture it like he's he taught me so much about trusting in him and his timing uh trusting that he's working even though i don't see any like you know fruit i don't see any sign of anything going on um it just really that word trust uh has been really um instrumental to me just learning to trust god right it says just in, in all your ways acknowledge him He'll make straight your paths. Like he'll lead you. Just trust. Right. And there's so many times where I want to just do. Um as you know, as based on what I see. Uh, but then so many times in ministry and just uh in you know, not not just ministry, but in all aspects, uh God teaching me, hey, trust, right? Don't lean on your own understanding, right? Because our understanding is limited, right? We what looks good now may not be good tomorrow um, whereas for god he knows all things so we trust in his understanding wait for his timing and he'll guide us and lead us where we have to go and a, i think a good example of us having limited understanding is when abraham and lot decide to part ways and lot saw how good this land was um, for his you know flock and for his family yeah, plenty of water, plenty of green green grass turned out to be Sodom and Gomorrah, you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, so you can never trust what we see, even with our own eyes, because we don't know in the end what that's going to lead to. But, you know, trusting in God always, and He will lead us. And that's been something that I'm reminded constantly, because, again, I'm so impatient when it comes to uh, trying to get results and trying to get things done. Um, I want people to change like now, you know, <laughs> like one sermon and everyone's like, like Christ, you know, that, how great would that be? Mm. But God always time and time again, teaching me to be patient, right? Yeah. Everyone is different. They grow at different rates. They all have different strengths and weaknesses to embrace all those things, knowing that it's by God's grace mm -hmm. uh, that we're even here yeah, um, yeah. and just trusting him. You know, that's, that's been so big uh, for me up yeah. to this point. Yeah. So good. And I think, um, made me think about like a conviction that I've been really reflecting on recently. Um, like a lot of people, they, they present like, Oh, like God's ways, his timing is better. And mm -hmm. that's obviously true. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've been learning and the Lord has been kind of humbling me and showing me 
that his ways and his timing, yes, are better, um, but they're also mo- more more beautiful. Like, um, for example, like yeah. as pastors, we get impatient. We're like, we just preached on this. Why are you Why are you still struggling mm-hmm. with this? Right, right. Um, but like, if 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 we simply preached a sermon and everyone changed, that'd be great, right? Glory to God. But like the like the we wouldn't go through like the transformative uh, and the edification mm-hmm. process that that's so beautiful. Mm. Uh, that suffering, when suffering refines us, and when uh, conflicts actually work out for the better, which is crazy. Like for, for those who love the Lord, all things work out together for good. Mm. Which is another good one. Also Hebrews, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, and so like that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Like um, a lot of times, like we don't trust on, uh, we don't trust in God's ways and His understanding. Mm. Um, but even if it's hard, like uh, I think it's not just that it's better. That like God's plans are beautiful. Mm. Like that's another reason I actually trust in Him. It's, mm. it's not. It's like it's worth the suffering, and Amen. that's the difference I think with believers mm. and unbelievers. We're still gonna suffer like them. Yeah. But you guys aren't gonna um, see the beauty of suffering. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's good. All right. I think that's all it. Yeah. Uh, just like last episode, I'm enjoying each episode more, and I'm actually hearing that other people are too. And so, uh, for those who are sticking around the journey, mm-hmm. uh, we actually really do appreciate y'all, and we hope we pray before every every episode that you know blesses y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's just like we're getting more comfortable, especially with the setup, <laughs> like all the technical stuff, and we're able to just kind of relax and just you know talk about the Bible and our faith. So. Yeah. Yeah, for me too. Every every episode is like I look forward to it, yeah. uh, and you know, like we always say, we really appreciate all of our viewers and listeners. Uh, we're two like just nothing guys, you know. <laughs> we're we're like nobodies, but the yeah. fact that you spend some time in your day on your commute or at work or at school, whatever, wherever you're at, uh, just to listen to two guys talk about God is um, it's a blessing to me, and I'm sure for PSK and. We hope that uh, it encourages you as we share our thoughts and maybe challenges you to read your word and fall in love and try to seek Jesus and what you're reading. Mm. Um, Like we always say, you know, like, comment, and subscribe. Um, But also, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to um, leave those in the comments or DM us. And we love to have just one segment where we just, you know, answer a bunch of of questions. yeah. Is there anything you like to add? Uh, no, not really. I had a good time. Yeah. And, uh, we love y'all. Yeah. I guess uh, we'll see. We'll see you next week. See you guys. All right. Bye.